everyone. This is the podcast for anyone interested in becoming a business leader or entrepreneur. Thanks for tuning in to our three-piece series on civic engagement. This is installment two of the series. Let's get to it. Looking at Or Fellowship as a whole, right, we have the four C's that we kind of operate under kind of our mantra. One of those C's obviously being community. Um, this is a great way for us to impact the community. So one of the draws to Or Fellowship is the idea, right, that we are going to be in a city like Indianapolis, which is a great growing city with a lot of needs for two years. And so the really neat opportunity within that is that we get to impact the community through what we do in our service in our philanthropic efforts in Or Fellowship. So with that in mind, years in the past, Or Fellows decided to come up with this idea of, hey, how can we impact nonprofits in the city that we are either volunteering with or that we see doing great things in the city and use the skills that we're leveraging within our jobs and leverage that to develop these nonprofits, help them with any efforts that they have that they may not have the skill set for within their workforce, and then how can we uniquely connect to the community in that way? So with that, that is kind of where nonprofit consulting falls into this, and the purpose behind it is we have a bunch of people in the city who are passionate about the city because it's where we're living for this time and we want to impact the nonprofits and so what we are going to do is we're going to use the different unique skills and talents that we have that we've developed over time and we're going to implement that to make to create solutions to problems that nonprofit consult nonprofits are dealing with nonprofit consulting the goal is for us to use the gifts and talents that we have to impact the community Um, in a kind of a different outside-of-the-box way. That was Ben Evans. He's a second-year OR fellow and one of the two nonprofit consulting coordinators. A part of his job with this role is to find those unique organizations with distinct problems and put together teams of OR fellows to work on solving the problem. The nonprofit consulting team goes about finding nonprofit organizations in a couple of different ways. The most popular one is that another fellow either volunteers or has an inside connection with the nonprofit and recommends the organization as a good fit for a possible NPC project. The other way nonprofit consulting gets organizations for projects is that the nonprofits themselves reach out to them directly. One of the two of us will sit down with them and kind of have more of an informational meeting of like, hey, here's what or nonprofit consulting is about. Here's kind of the history of it. And then we also kind of do it in a more of a discovery way in the sense of like, hey, you know, we've seen your organization. A lot of war fellows are either passionate about it or we've we've seen things like it before that have drawn the interest or we've just seen the need in the community. How can we help? And usually that'll be kind of looking through, hey, where are areas that you feel understaffed or where what are projects that you've had the dream about getting done for a long time, but just don't have the, the workforce or the manpower to do it? And so that's kind of the neat questions where you, you kind of see these the visions behind these nonprofits, these individuals, usually on more of the executive level of these nonprofits, they'll, they'll be in this place of like, oh man, we have been dying to do X, Y, or Z thing for a really long time, but we just haven't had the resources to do so. And that's the really cool development of the connection with these nonprofits, especially for OR, because we're, I mean, we're wanting to make that impact and having someone say, oh man, we have this need. We're trying to figure out how to solve it. We've been trying to for a while. 
is this something you could even think about helping and uh, having ambitious, you know, kind of go after a challenge kind of individuals like we do in or these are the problems that we try to look for, uh, knowing that we, you know, we have a lot of really unique insights, but we also just have a passion to learn and, and grow in that. And so that gives us a really cool opportunity to potentially step in to a place that a nonprofit could really need our help. Mm-hmm. We were on a project that focused around uh, a local nonprofit called Dance Kaleidoscope, which is a contemporary dance company in Indianapolis. This is Joe Walters, a second year or fellow at IU Health. Joe recently worked on a nonprofit consulting project along with fellow fellow Lowell Bieber, host company Supply Kick. Like Ben mentioned earlier, the problems or issues many of these organizations come to nonprofit consulting with in the hopes to get help or solve are unique to each one. And with Dance Kaleidoscope, this was no exception. Uh, as we were meeting with them, they were stationed at Butler, and Butler told them that they were going to more or less be taking the office building that they've been using back uh, to build more classrooms yeah at butler and ultimately they're looking to find a new home um they are fully funded through the lily endowment program and a few other donors that just really enjoy the whole kind of contemporary dance style so our goal came coming into it was dance kaleidoscope worked with uh an already outside consulting group to help build out a business plan and to give that to the Eli Lilly endowment because Eli Lilly was Eli Lilly endowment was asking for a brand new business plan that focused in around this move from Butler to uh, an area right north of Mass Ave area, um, and so the business plan that that consultant group came up with was looking at creating an actual academy and school, which Dance Kaleidoscope offered classes, but they don't want to become an academy. Uh, and so our job coming into that was taking, looking over the business plan, taking the things that were uh, made sense, but also then re- reversing it and making it into a business plan that made sense for their move. Yeah, I think the main thing that um, Dance Kaleidoscope was wanting us to get out was basically be able to present. Um, we ended up calling it a transition plan, so they came in thinking it was a business plan, and we're like, really, this isn't like a business plan in the sense that we've traditionally thought of it. We'll call it more of a transition plan, basically solely centered around this physical move. Um, they wanted this thing to be able to hand to Lily and say, or Lily Endowment, and say, hey, here's why we're moving, here's why you should continue to give us um, this money so we can continue to be funded. So it really was to service, um, basically serve as a, uh, a token as why they should continue to get funding from these grants that they already had. Despite the seemingly daunting task set before them, the group was able to put together deliverables for Dance Kaleidoscope fairly quickly. Yeah, so I think ours was pretty quick compared to some of the others that I've heard about. Um, So we had a little under two months, I want to say like a month and a half basically from when we had our initial meeting um, to when uh, our deadline was. It wasn't a hard deadline, it was um, Jan Virgin who is the director, executive director of Dance Kaleidoscope was our main point of contact um, there. She was the one kind of um, pushing us forward and, and the one um, who I believe reached out and we reached out to her um, through OR. So yeah, I think we had a pretty short time frame and basically she just had meetings with Lily Dominant and they kind of expected it at this point. Um, so that was how our time frame was 
um, established. I don't know if that's typical or not, um, but those are kind of the bounds we were working on. A minute ago, I mentioned the word deliverables, and all this means really is some physical piece the nonprofit consulting group can give to the organization addressing their problem. This can be a business plan, a financial analysis, marketing strategies, and content, anything you might think of that falls into those categories. For Lowell and Joe, the deliverables were a huge part of what they did with their project. Yeah, I'll let uh, Joe talk about um, one of his really cool deliverables that kind of was like a center point for the project. Um, but the, the final deliverable, I guess, that we handed to Jan at the end of this was this transition plan or was this business plan. So it was a 20-page document. Um, some of the material was already from the existing business plan, but a lot of it was what um, we were able to come up with um, in our time and basically said, hey, here's your physical location right now at Butler. Um, here's what we're recommending. Like they had already established a location for where they wanted to move, but basically it was up to us to prove that was a valid location and prove that was a worthwhile move. Um, so here's our analysis saying, um, yes, this is a good place to move to. You're going to have a huge impact in the community here. Um, and, and here's why. So those, there were um, different sections within that, but that was the main one. So, the section that I ended up working on was when we did our initial meeting with Jan and the team, as they began kind of talking through the move and having these classes and being interested in continuing these classes, at the time at work, I was actually working on some stuff that kind of didn't necessarily touch fully a little bit was they were at least correlated in a form. And so I was asking, hmm, like, have you ever looked at where your, where your actual students are coming from? And so Jan kind of replied and said no. Ultimately, I ended up grabbing uh, uh, information from Dance Kaleidoscope and plotted all of where their uh, students came from. And so what I did then from there was I put all this information to a GIS, which is a geographic information system, plotted all the students, and then I did uh, some analysis. So one of them is called a drive time analysis. And so I did a straight, straight line analysis from where students were to where the current Dance Kaleidoscope location was. And then I extracted all that information out into Excel spreadsheet, and I looked at it in the theory of the Pareto theory, so the 80-20 rule, the idea that 80% of your customer, or 20% of your customers drive 80% of your revenue. And so from there, what I ended up doing was I plotted where the new location was, and with where the new location was, Oh, actually, I'll, I totally skipped my, my next step. <laughs> no, you're good. Yeah. So then what I did was with the Pareto chart from the 80-20 rule, I was able to build out a drive time. So basically the idea there is how far are the students willing to drive to a location? And so ultimately what that drive time was was right around 15 minutes. And so what I did then from there was I looked at, okay, now let's go and plot where Dance Kaleidoscope is moving towards and let's put that 15 minute drive time onto a map and then let's look at how many of the students are still in this, in this drive, new drive time. And I, I believe we had a decent amount. I believe we ended up seeing, still seeing about 75% of the students in it. It was toward the, towards the edge, 
But what I then did was I decided to look at tapestry models on the GIS system. And tapestry models are really interesting where uh, they use U.S. Census data and some private data. And what they're doing is they're basically taking this data and you can look all the way down onto a U.S. Census block and understand, okay, like who lives here? And so on a marketing level, you can take a lot of information and understand, okay, um, like how many, what's median household income? How much are they spending on healthcare? Do they own cars? It's even like crazy of like how many iPhones they have, stuff along those lines. Um, and so what I did then was I actually ran the same kind of analysis. I looked at, okay, how many uh, students are in each tapestry segment? And then what I did was I ran another Pareto, Pareto analysis looking at, okay, what were the top uh, tapestry segments? And so what I decided to do from there is I ended up kind of utilizing this aspect of, okay, you have your current students here on a map, let's, which were much closer to Butler's campus and that tapestry model. And so what I did was I showed it within that 15 minute drive time radius of their new location. If you want to see students to come to your classes, you should focus your marketing that you currently have onto those areas because you'll be able to drive students to come to you. If the listeners were able to understand that um, without seeing the visual visuals, I'm extremely impressed because I think it took me like three or four times to fully understand the process that Joe took um, in order to like arrive at this conclusion. But I can't express like how happy um, not only Jan, like the Dance Kaleidoscope uh, executive director, but the entire team was with having this information. This was just something they'd never known to look at before. Um, like their their arts directors and like the creative arts are kind of their bread and butter. That's where they spent most of their time and where. Um, and rightly so, they should focus their efforts. So having this information um, presented to them in such such a like a digestible um, manner was was so useful, and they were like extremely thrilled to to get this. It, and that's only like one section of the um, business plan that we did, um, but it was a pretty powerful one. But their research wasn't solely focused on numbers, driving distance, and feasibility. It was also heavily centered on proving that bringing the arts to developing areas of the city was important. And so kind of one of the other pinnacle points in, in here to the Lilly Endowment Program is the argument of how beneficial the arts is to uh, a community that is underserved, that is uh, being looked at as to how do we make this community stronger and grow it in a good way. Yeah, so one of some of the analysis we did there was looking at basically research studies that prove that when you start injecting arts into a community, whether it's underserved or not, it um, like education benefits, um, like the like homelessness problems benefit, um, like a ton of other issues. I don't have it in front of me, um, but there are a ton of other um, like crucial parts of like a community that see benefit once you start um, injecting arts into them. So the specific area was the Indie East Promise Zone, as, as Joe was saying, where um, Dance Kaleidoscope was moving to. Um, and with that, the city has goals with that they want this area to meet, uh, something like 10%, um, like increase in the number of arts communities that are in that community. So we were able to tie in these goals that Dance Kaleidoscope wasn't even aware of that they were helping to meet um, and able to like through our research to be able to provide them and say, hey, like, look, the city has these goals um, and you moving there is like filling a lot of them that you, that you didn't even know the thing. So um, Jan came back like a, a month or so after this happened and said that she presented Lily to, presented the um, 
transition plan to Lily. They were thrilled. They had they had a they obviously loved Joe's um, pretty charts and everything, um, but also really liked the points that we were making um, connected to the Indies Promise Zone and, and the promises the city had made um, to themselves to try and hit those goals. In hearing the both of them talk about the entire experience, how diverse and really deep the project was, I was curious to know what exactly stood out to them the most. What I took out of it and learned was, I mean, one sim simple and basically is that contemporary dance is very different than uh, ballet dancing. And to be honest, there's some politics behind it. Butler is a ballet school, so yeah, don't make that mistake. Yeah, don't make that mistake. <laughs> all right, contemporary dance, ballet, very different. No, but in all seriousness, I would say it was kind of work as a group working together. Okay, how can we present this story to the Lily Endowment Grant based on what their ask is? And so having to take this viewpoint of, hey, we still can drive uh, our own kind of like revenue going on for this business, but also like, okay, we're moving to a new community that is underserved, not necessarily has the arts in it. And so how can we sell this story of the arts moving to a community that is underserved but is on the rise? How is that beneficial for that community? And I think that was really interesting is how do you tell a story and how do then do you put that all together to make it digestible? And then for me, I would say the most, the greatest fulfillment would have to be uh, after the initial analysis I did where Jan and team were just more or less blown away by it. And that was really amazing to see where work that I've done at work actually and the same concepts I used at work to kind of basically strip away everything just to make it the skeleton and then try to put it into this format for nonprofit consulting was pretty awesome. And then the very end where we actually turned it in and you could tell just how like happy she was because we did get to see her after the fact and how just ecstatic she was from, from it all. Yeah, how did that moment kind of go, like whenever you guys presented everything to her? Yeah, so our, we originally gave her uh, the document over email, but then we went and had dinner with her and she was she was like, I don't yeah, like what what do you like think grandmotherly uh, like <laughs> yeah. her, her, her affection um so we had i think like five members of the team not everyone could make it but almost everyone could make it and she was just like gushing almost not to sound narcissistic but like um with with how happy she was with how the project went um so yeah that was just like super f fulfilling to be able to provide that um to her and um yeah see it all come together like that mm -hmm. I think my um, moment actually came a lot earlier in the project, like within the first or second week. Um, I actually got a chance to meet Jan at the new location where they're moving, um, or where they were thinking of moving at the time, where they are moving now, I guess, um, which is basically like an abandoned warehouse at this point in time, but they had um, the, um, I don't know, the architect or the contractor, someone had like business plans of like, hey, here's where we're proposing this wall go, and like this studio, and hearing Jan's excitement of like walking through all these pieces, and like, um, her saying, okay, yeah, and if you could like put this in the transition plan, like highlighting that we're gonna have um, a dance class here for like hip hop students because we wanna like expand into this part and like this room is gonna be solely devoted to that. And like the dancers have never had um, a, like a changing room before. Like they've always had to change and like eat their dinner and stuff in the hallways of Butler. So like here, this is gonna be the, the common room or whatever where the, the dancers are gonna have that personal space and they're all gonna have lockers. And just hearing her excitement about this project um, was like super like that kind of like spurred me on to be like okay like this is important like these are not only like the executive team on Dance Kaleidoscope but all the dancers who they employ um, this is like their livelihood and this is going to um, dramatically impact like their work life environment basically um, so that was like wow this is this is a cool and, and worthwhile project. 
The project itself was so very valuable to both Lowell and Joe, and of course it manifested itself in different ways. Lowell was able to hone in on other skills outside of his day job, while Joe used his data analytics skills from work to help out with the project. In the end, however, they both expressed why having nonprofit consulting available to them was so important. I touched on it a little bit earlier when you asked about what is nonprofit consulting. I think it's one of those things where not everybody necessarily wants to volunteer, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think some people want to find things that are more on that service level where volunteer sometimes feels very like hands off, doesn't really like hit them, where they're wanting to be felt on the inside when giving back to the community and to others. And so realistically, why nonprofit nonprofit consulting is uh, one of those things that is valuable is on the level of we are gaining skills as or fellows and even in general, anybody in the workforce, the specialized labor uh, whether those are analytical skills, logistics, uh, being able to podcast, we're all learning these skills. And so why not give back to your community through those skills and ultimately basically leverage your specialized labor like it would be in the workforce? Yeah, I mean, just like expounding upon that, like the idea of like time, talent, and treasure are kind of the three ways that you can um, provide your service so we're really able to provide our, our talent in that sense and it's probably um, a more effective use of our time in that sense because like something like this if they wanted this analysis the Pareto chart analysis and the whole drive time analysis that Joe did would um, I mean they could pay a consulting company like an outrageous fee or they could take months maybe to learn how to do this um, but we're just able to quickly provide that to them um, and it's something that we enjoy and, and are able to do so yeah I think it's, it's super valuable kind of like I, I mentioned to earlier it's, it really is a two-way street and I think we gained as much value from this as did Dan's Kaleidoscope um, and as for companies to participate in there's like this is just one subset of like or fellowship skills. I mean, there's 140 whatever or fellows now. Like, just think about how many different roles and um, talents those those individuals have that they could bring to a particular um, project. And I think when the projects are presented initially, like there are going to be certain or fellows who latch on to whatever that project idea was. So another um, nonprofit consulting project that I remember was a uh, one for. Um, uh, I'm going to mess this up somehow, but it was a. An equestrian like nonprofit that uh, like assisted like disabled children and like allowed them to ride horses and like find that found out therapeutic. Um, I'm sure there's more to it than that. That's my um, not great explanation. But there's people who in or who I'm sure um, used to ride horses and might find that that was like something they were easily able to connect with. Um, I don't remember exactly what the the project was, but yeah, there's there's um, one of these basically every month um, in like or's peak season. Um, so there's plenty of projects to latch onto and plenty of different needs that these nonprofits um, have to fill, I think. For Ben, just like Joe and Lowell, the value he sees with nonprofit consulting transcends throughout the entire city of Indianapolis. I've had the privilege of growing up in Indianapolis, born and raised here, went to Butler University, literally have not left Indianapolis in any living capacity my entire life. And so growing up in that way, like I have a, a rich passion and deeply rooted desire for Indy, to see Indy flourish. And I think what's neat about that is when I'm stepping into this nonprofit consulting realm or putting on that you know coordinator hat, 
what I'm looking at when I'm sitting, you know, in these discovery things with with nonprofits around the city. I am looking at it and just saying, wow, like I see the impact your organization is having on the city in any way, shape or form that you even think we would have a possibility to help that. Like that's exciting to me. And so, I mean, the fulfillment side of it is super easy for me. It's like I see these nonprofits doing great things for the community and I just want to see the city continue to grow in a really rich way. Uh, it's The city has so much to offer a lot of people and it's also a place that's desperately needing to grow. From a coordinator's standpoint, meaning and success with each of these projects looks different, but they all carry a similar thread of being able to find out where or fellowship complements the organization's needs. I think meaningful looks a lot of different ways because we work with so many different unique organizations um, from different dance academies to um, ministries like dealing with homelessness. I think we kind of fall in this in this space of just, oh, they're all needing unique things. And so you can't look at them through the this exact same lens. You can't all try to place them in this one specific category. You kind of have to go into it, looking at it from an open mind saying, hey, they have a need and how how can I relate it to something I know, which is the people I know or like past projects that we've dealt with and say, that's where this is, we're going to be able to provide meaning. Um, all We have so many nonprofits in the city of Indianapolis that are providing so many like needs to the city and are really changing the infrastructure in the way that we look at the city um, and how people are, are being pursued in our city. And so... Uh, there's so many neat things going on, which makes it exciting. So fulfillment is really easy for me to come by, finding projects that will be fulfilling to those involved and also like moving forward for that nonprofit is definitely where we have to be a little bit more intentional. But honestly, it's not as hard as it sounds because we're working with so many great people and we're provided with so many neat opportunities from either or fellow connections or people reaching out to us. What's your hope for nonprofit consulting, um, either in the near future or the long future? You're a second year, so uh, you're not going to be able to see it really uh, hands-on in the, you know, I say more distant future. But what do you see for it, and what do you hope for? Yeah, that's a that's another great question. I think, I think two things definitely come to mind. I think. From the Or Fellow perspective, from what I desire for Or Fellows as they participate in these projects to get out of it, I desire for them to gain an awareness of the community in which they live. Uh, we, a lot of like a lot of people are moving into the city for the first time, and so getting a year to kind of understand the depth of how a city, uh, what their needs are, and what like how we can affect those needs. I think is something that I really desire. So every time that we put people on projects, trying to also connect them to the original cause of the, the organization that we're working with itself to help understand how they're, you know, attacking a problem um, and a need in the city is is really, really important. And I think kind of knowledge that they're able to engage with the city. Uh, they know now that, um, you know, it can be intimidating because there's so many different things out there that we can participate in. I think it's a really neat opportunity to immediately say like, oh, I know how I can start to use my skills to help people um, and help people in these very specific outlined ways that you just did. Uh, I think that's a really unique opportunity. And then so that's like one side of it from the fellow side. I hope that they just gain a really impassioned look at the city from their awareness and their ability to engage. 
from the nonprofit side, I hope that, I mean, obviously we hope that they, they see the work that we're able to do as fruitful for them as they continue to grow and develop. Um, but I also want it to be seen as something where they know that they have a group of individuals that would be willing to walk alongside them later on. Um, this nonprofit consulting, what my dream for it is, and I know what Drew's dream as well, is that it's not be just some one point in time interaction that we have with this nonprofit. What we're hoping is that it's a relationship that builds and grows so that as org grows, we are continuing to support and help facilitate like growth within the nonprofit. Um, it goes far beyond just one instance. And I think that's something that um, as org continues to grow and mature, I think that's something that we're going to be able to better do as we move forward. Uh, it's something that I know Drew and I is kind of our behind the scenes, more operational look at, at nonprofit consulting is definitely trying to create uh, an opportunity for that to happen moving forward. So I think that would be my, my two desires, uh, one for the nonprofit and the other for the fellows participating in the projects. Well, I mean, realistically, there's 140 of us and to only have one project going on at a time that's sad like we should be doing as many projects as we can every or fellow should at least get their hands into one nonprofit consulting project I think it's one of those things that you really truly get to see the fact that what you've done at work you can use elsewhere you get to it's another way to give back to the community and so that's kind of the challenge to Orfells but also to like us as Orfells we should always kind of be keeping our eye out for projects why not talk to uh, a nonprofit to see if they're interested if it's something that you go and volunteer at or even for maybe on the level of a, a small like coffee company that is just trying to start or you know that they don't necessarily have a ton of capital and we can maybe help them on marketing, whatever it might be. Yeah, I would just say it's a super valuable experience um, that I took more from than I thought I was going to um, and the time commitment wasn't significant and I think you can always like take on more um, than you think you can at a time and the even just like getting to know the group of people who we worked on the project with um, better was was worth the time investment alone. And Jan treated us to um, to wine at dinner after we were done, so got to go out with Grandma Jan, which was which was well worth it. <laughs> what is really neat about War Fellowship is that not only are we being able to to gain a better perspective of where the city is, but definitely finding a way to be the hands and feet in the serving aspect of the city, uh, or does have a really unique aspect of, yes, we are coming and moving to the city for a career and to grow professionally, but a big part of growing professionally is learning how to give back to the community. And that's something um, that not everyone gets the experience to see in their initial in interactions in in work in their professional career. And I think it, it really is something that um, as our generation kind of becomes the leading generation within the city, having that service minded just development of intentionality within our within our work is super important. So I'm I've been very thankful for more of the servant leadership that or has provided within me. I think um, also too, like I think that is where the city is going to continue to grow is when we have servant leaders working from the top and continue to moving through. We have some really great servant leaders already uh, leading that we can emulate as well. I think or also gives us the opportunity to see that really closely. But I'm really excited 
to see how you know the classes that are currently in order and the classes that are recently you know graduated from the program and the ones to come how they are going to to shape inspire and and develop the city of indianapolis and any other cities that they choose to move to um, or plant themselves after after war is over everyone has the ability to serve and what can be most valuable is not only our time but also our skill on the selfish side, partnering with these organizations gives the chance to develop and exercise different skills. Regardless, I think it's important to understand that our talents are gifts, and as much as we ask of others, we should be able to give that and more to the city helping build us. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Or Else. Catch us next time and you get to hear from Brenna Ryan as she talks about Launchpad. Special thanks to all those working on the nonprofit consulting project. You guys really made an impression. Interested in learning more about nonprofit consulting? Contact either Ben Evans or Drew Redmond.